1: Connect the dishes
0: to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The
2: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates – Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
3: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom with the new Dexcom G7. dexcom.com.
0: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit dexcom.com compatibility.
3: Thanks Dexcom for being our partner.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?
3: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A 12-year-old little girl. A 12-year-old little girl found wandering down a roadway on the side of the roadway by herself her braces on her teeth broken because she has been held hostage, tied to a bedpost for days. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Series XM 111. First of all, take a listen to this: a horrifying case, nearly 250 miles north of Mobile, where a
4: 12-year-old girl was found walking alone, and later led deputies to a gruesome discovery. The Tallapoosa County Sheriff's Office responded to reports of a young girl wandering alone County Road 34 by herself around 8:30 last night, according to court records. The girl had been tied. To a bedpost for nearly a week, and drugged with
3: alcohol before managing to chew through her bindings and go for help. You're hearing our friends at WPMI walking alone on a rural road with her braces on her teeth all torn up, where we believe she chewed through her restraints. In order to get loose from the nightmare this little girl had endured. Again, I'm Nancy Grace and this is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us. What an all-star panel we have for you today. But before I go to the rest of the panel, I want to introduce a special guest joining us. The elected sheriff in Tallapoosa County, Alabama. He has been elected since 1995. Sheriff Jimmy Abbott with us. Sheriff, thank you for being with us.
5: Hey, good morning. You
3: know, Sheriff, uh, just what I think, I've seen it all. Having prosecuted in inner city Atlanta over a decade, something like this happens. And I find out, sadly, I have not seen it all I'm trying to understand what exactly happened. Sheriff, take a listen with me to Elizabeth White at WRBL.
6: Sheriff, according to court documents, this 12-year-old juvenile uh, was tied to a bedpost for about a week, uh, was drugged, allegedly with alcohol, but somehow was able to chew herself free from those restraints, get out into that road, and flag down help. Can you confirm that information that is in the court documents?
5: Yeah, we, we stand by that affidavit to be able to procure the kidnapping warrants.
3: Again with me, Sheriff Jimmy Abbott, the elected sheriff in Tallapoosa County, Alabama. Sheriff, when did you first learn that a little girl was walking all by herself? And what highway was it, Sheriff?
5: It's Highway 34. We're in the rural area. It's, it's just uh, kind of southeast of Daveville, Alabama. Uh, we received a 911 call from a motorist that morning at, at about 8 26 a.m. uh in reporting this young lady uh on the uh, roadway uh near the residence uh, so we responded uh, law enforcement responded and as a result of of the investigation the preliminary investigation and the information she provided for us we were able to uh, procure a kidnapping first-degree warrant.
3: Sheriff, What for those of uh, our listeners and viewers that aren't familiar with that area, and P.S., I don't know if you've ever heard of this place. Hey, Cody, you ever heard of it? I have not. Okay. I'm so happy that I was man- able to stump you on something. My father is from Hey, Cody, Alabama. It is near Op, which is near Enterprise, which is near Mobile. Now, that... Is a tiny spot when you have to go to three cities before you can get a location. I'm working up to the question. Highway 34. Tell me about that.
5: Highway 34 is about uh, 25 miles from the Auburn, uh, Alabama area. We're about 80 miles south of Birmingham, uh, and this uh, is a rural area. We're known for the Lake Martin area that we have there, and we're about 50 miles uh, south of, uh, north of, uh, excuse me, south of Montgomery. Gotcha. We kind of east central, east central Alabama, uh, almost to sixty miles from Columbus, Georgia.
3: Gotcha. Yes. Um, What is Lake Martin?
5: It's a man made lake. About seven hundred twenty seven miles of shoreline. There. It's in Tallapoosa, Coosa, and Elmore County. A large recreational area.
3: Wow. So it's. a spot where people come from all over the state to uh, fish, swim, ski.
5: Yeah, yes, ma'am. Uh, all over from the state and out of state people that are actually living in our resident, uh, our county now.
3: Now, you know, normally that throw a wrench in the works to have a tourist spot in the middle. And listen, I'm from rural Bibb County, not even near a city, 25 miles to Macon, which is in middle Georgia. I get it. Uh, so right in the middle of a very rural area, very low population, very low crime, you've got a huge 700-square-foot lake that draws tourists from all around, including other states. Now, Joe Scott Morgan with me, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, and star of a brand-new hit series, Body Bags, with Joseph Scott Morgan on iHeart. That throws a wrench in the works when you have a big tourist spot like that.
7: Yeah, yeah, it really does, because you don't know where a lot of these people are coming from. You know, and Sheriff was right in mentioning that you've got all kinds of people that are not just coming in from Alabama and the local metro areas there, but from out of state. Uh, Lake Martin's a beautiful area. So, you know, it will attract people, say, for instance, from Georgia that own properties over there and stay for long term mm-hmm. or short term. So you can have transient population that comes in. And, of course, that that creates a headache for all the investigators involved in a case like this.
3: You know, Sheriff Jimmy Abbott with me, falling on the heels of Joe Scott Morgan. When I first realized the, the, the what, what this means, I was prosecuting a case It was a guy that was a serial killer. And at that point, I thought I could get him on one murder. But it was a Jane Doe. I I didn't even know who the perp was yet. I had a Jane Doe found out in a field. No ID on her, nothing. But we were able to figure out, I was thinking, who's her boyfriend? Who's her husband? Who's her ex? Where does she work? Where does she live? Can I find those things out? Maybe I can find the killer. Then I found out she had gotten off Marta, the bus Downtown, no, it was Greyhound, Greyhound bus, downtown. She came out of the bus station, Sheriff. And that is when I learned you throw in uh, airport, bus station, tourist attraction. Suddenly there goes your line of inquiry because now you have thousands of potential suspects. You wouldn't have if, say, a woman, a person was found dead in their home. Uh, w- w- when you throw in something like Lake Martin, you've got a lot more potential suspects. But let me get back to finding this 12-year-old girl. What is that? Let's see, 7, 8, 5th grade?
5: Almost 6th or 7th. I, I believe 7th grade. Uh, completed at 6th grade and headed to the 7th.
3: So just out of the 6th grade, 12 years old. Now, how did she get picked up, Sheriff?
5: Well, basically... She wasn't picked up. She was actually when we got the the call, all law enforcement responded, our agency and also another agency responded there and and just detained her till our investigative uh, investigators got to the scene. And once they got to the scene and, and, and kind of debriefed her on the information that she could provide us.
3: Sheriff, you went to the scene later. What did you observe? Was it on a lonely stretch of road? And I understand the motorist saw her. Was it a man or a woman that saw her? Uh,
5: we're, we're not getting into that right now because we're still in the, in the investigative stages. And uh, so uh, we have interviewed the, the person that actually saw her there. It is a rural area. Uh, it's... Uh, Not not a heavy uh, populated area. It is a a, a through road, uh, like I said earlier, a lot of traffic going to the lake, uh, Mm -hmm. going to Auburn. Uh, So it was about 826 when she actually called 911 and the agencies responded uh, to gather information from her.
3: 826 AM? Yes, ma'am. So somebody, a motorist comes along, sees the girl, and they don't take the girl anywhere. They just call 911, correct? That's correct. That's the best thing. That's the very best thing, because think about it, Sheriff, which I'm sure you already have. If the person, the good Samaritan, puts the girl in the car and takes her somewhere, if this thing finally goes to trial, the perp could argue, oh, they did it. I didn't do it. That motorist did it. I know it sounds crazy, right? But they could argue that. And if you get one crazy juror, you're screwed, Now, uh, a lot of lawyers talk in fancy Latin terms, but I'm telling you, you'd be screwed. So thank goodness that's what the motorists did. The
2: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn
6: which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience. Which means Zinn pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
6: It's my
1: little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
7: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God.
3: stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we are talking with the elected sheriff, Sheriff Jimmy Abbott out of Tallapoosa County. A 12-year-old girl is found with her braces all ripped up walking along the side of a desolate rural highway. And this is what we learn. Take a listen to our friends at WSFA.
5: This It's a horrendous situation.
3: Tallapoosa
6: County Sheriff
3: Jimmy Abbott
4: says deputies got a call yesterday morning that a 12-year-old girl was wandering down the road here along County Road 34. Investigators say she was kidnapped.
5: We always say, say something, say something. We're very appreciative to the people that actually came, came forward.
4: The 12-year-old girl, according to court records, had been tied up and
3: drugged before managing to escape. Sheriff, what did the girl say had happened to her?
5: Well, basically what she indicated as far as the complaints that we were actually doing, you know, that she uh, indicated in there that she had been restrained to the bedpost for approximately a week and, and, and gave the victim alcohol to keep her in a drug state as well as assaulted her. Uh, in the head area.
3: Wait, assaulted her in the head area? You mean hit her in the head? Uh, Yes, ma'am. Was the little girl sex assaulted?
5: We have no knowledge of that at this time.
3: So in order to keep her sedated, the perp fed her alcohol and hit her in the head?
5: Uh, That's what our complaint uh, to indicated so that we could actually get the uh, arrest warrant yes
3: sheriff what condition was the girl in uh,
5: she did not have any life-threatening injuries injuries uh she did receive medical attention uh and and then she was placed into the custody of uh, the alabama department of human resources
3: Mm-mm-mm. was did she have the wherewithal to tell you where this had happened.
5: Uh, she did. Uh, she indicated that she was in the approximate location of uh, the residence uh, when we actually arrived on the scene. The, the officers arrived on the scene and, and started uh, gathering information from her in regards to this.
3: Joining you right now, special guest crime reporter from Oxygen.com. You can find her on Twitter at underscore Gina Tron, author of Star 67 and Employment on Amazon with me, Gina Tron. Gina, what do we know about that morning, 8.26 a.m. when the call comes in?
8: Um, after after uh, the call what came in, um, the, the girl was taken to the hospital, and um, from there, uh, investigators went, um, I believe the next day, they went to the home um, where she she instructed them she was being held
3: captive. Gina, do you know Uh, If it's been reported that the girl was sex assaulted? It was not reported that. However, uh, the court documents say that the intent of the kidnapping was to, quote, violate or abuse sexually the victim. Sheriff Jimmy Abbott, back to you. The girl was able to lead you back to the home where she says she was tied to the bedpost, correct?
5: That's correct. Where was it? The home was right uh, on County Road 34, uh, which is same proximity that that she was actually located at uh uh, so it's it's in that rural areas we spoke and it was the same day instance not the next day that we actually went into the residence
3: sheriff what was found when you and your people went into the residence
5: actually, we, we procured a search warrant for the residents uh, based on the information and and entered into the residence and at that point in time uh, two decomposed bodies were actually found uh, in the residence. Uh, they were re- removed and went to the Alabama Department of Forensic Sciences for their examination. Take a listen to this. yesterday about eight twenty six our office received a call of a young, juvenile female walking in the roadway in the area of 3547 County Road 34. Uh, During the initial investigation uh, from the uh, information that we received and collected, uh, we were able to arrest Jose Pauline Pascal Reyes of this same address uh, for kidnapping in the first degree. Uh, And he was arrested in Auburn on Somerville Circle uh, by the Marshal Service and the Auburn Police Department. And more. Listen. First of all, what stands in the affidavit? You know, we, we stand by that affidavit to be able to procure the kidnapping warrants. And I would say uh, she's a hero. Uh, and it's one of those things that we want to get into to later. Uh, we uh, gave her medical attention, and uh, she has been she's safe now. Uh, and so we want to keep her that way. And. Uh, that's basically all I can actually say. The first contact we had with her was yesterday morning uh, when a passerby was able to stop with her. And they reported to us so she was not a considered a missing person.
3: And also we learned more from Elizabeth White at
6: WRBL. The child had restraint marks on her wrist, braces on her teeth broken from her escape, according to investigators. As the child was being treated for injuries, investigators entered the home, locating two decomposing bodies their identities and cause of death not yet released. Riaz was located Monday by U.S. Marshals at a construction site where he was working in Auburn. He's charged with first-degree kidnapping. Investigators say other charges, including capital murder, are pending.
3: Nicole DeBoard-Hochklob joining me, a veteran criminal defense attorney out of Houston, former prosecutor. And you can find her at HoustonCriminalDefense.com. Nicole, did you hear Sheriff Jimmy Abbott say very carefully we had an affidavit to support a search warrant before we went into that home. That's the way you do it. Yeah, that's crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Because in my mind, if a little girl with her braces all mangled up from chewing through restraints to escape a sex predator, been tied up to a bedpost for a week, hitting the head and fed alcohol to keep her sedated... I would call that um, an exigent circumstance, but not only that, which usually would apply to a car, I would be worried another crime could be going down in that home and just break the door down. Now, see, that's why we have Sheriff Jimmy Abbott, because he did the right thing. Because you don't want at trial the defense jumping up and saying he had time to get a warrant. That, that that's You can't just break down the door. You're so right. And some judge might agree and throw out all the evidence that you find inside. Of course, also, there's um, ultimate discovery. <laughs> because ultimately, two dead bodies are going to be found. Because someone is going to miss those people. But did you hear that this girl had not been reported as missing? Even though she had been tied to a bedpost for a week? And now we know why. But first explain why the sheriff did the right thing in getting the warrants. Absolutely the right thing. And as you've already pointed out, it really
4: is kind of a belt in suspenders situation. It could be what we call exigent or emergency circumstances, which would have allowed law enforcement to go in without a warrant, but this is exactly the right way to do it for law enforcement. You get that warrant to be sure, that way there are no arguments later on when you discover evidence that you need for trial. And I'll tell you, that's a hard thing to do when you have a case uh, involving a child. There There are very few circumstances more emotional than finding a child who is injured, who has been attacked. Uh, And who has reported that this is the location of the crime and that there may be something still ongoing. And it is so smart to press pause, as was done in this case, do what is correct under the law and get that warrant, even though it is
3: really not the emotionally natural thing to do. Not at all. Sheriff Jimmy Abbott, in your jurisdiction, can you get a warrant over the phone or did you have to go through sending an investigator to the sheriff, I mean to the judge, having the investigator swear in and give in- information or could you do it by phone?
5: Yes, we can do telephonic search warrants by phone and oh. then we have to then... Uh, you know prepare the affidavit you know for the judge later to to sign and then the returns
3: so everybody a return that sheriff Abbotts talking about is when you go in on a search warrant and you find things that you're going to seize like drugs let's just go with drugs you write a return which means you list everything that you're seizing from the home uh, sheriff I'm so glad you could do you said telephonic a phone affidavit You know, you explain it, Nicole Hodge Globe, what we mean by Abbott, Sheriff Abbott, getting the affidavit to support the warrant to make that search legal. So the law enforcement official
4: who is providing the affidavit has to swear to it and go in front of a judge or in front of somebody who can really notarize it or accept that swearing and then give them a document that is a warrant. So in the old days, most places required that you be present. You go do that in person. There have been changes to the law over time, and th- these changes allow for these types of swearings to happen over the telephone. They have people in place who can accept the swearing and provide the affidavit, oftentimes over the computer. Um, it would have been, again, in the old days, provided by fax or just handed to the law enforcement official, uh, but now, because we know and understand that time is of the
3: essence, you can actually take care of these things remotely, which really makes sense. So, Sheriff, what do you do? use a magistrate? Uh who are really there for off hours because court very often doesn't start till nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Who do you go in front of a magistrate?
5: We actually use our district judge. We have district judges yep. and circuit judges in our county. So we actually do it in person by phone to the circuit, to the district judge.
3: Sheriff Abbott, what was discovered when your people went in the home pursuant to
5: warrant? Well, as you know, the, uh, the the two decomposed bodies were 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 actually found uh we processed the scene for almost three days uh monday tuesday and wednesday uh gathering other uh valuable information Mm -hmm. that we can use against the individual uh can't get into that right now but uh basically the two decomposed bodies were actually our our focus to begin with and once we found those then they went immediately to transported mentally to forensic sciences which is located in Montgomery and they started uh, their examination and Friday, uh, if I may add, is that we finally got a positive ID on uh, on the Sandra Seha and then the other individual juvenile under the age of 14 uh, is reasonably sure that this is identity of, of this uh, individual.
3: So I've got the, uh, that a woman, and a little boy were the two murdered people and I'm understanding I'm reading between the lines that at first you couldn't even identify the victims Sandra Seha is the little 12 year old girl's mother and the little boy seems to be her brother I'm hearing you say it was a three Day process of an odyssey of processing that home where the little girl had been tied to a bedpost for a week, sedated with alcohol and beaten the head. I just wonder, Sheriff, how where she was tied to the bed, would she have been able to see her mother? Or brother's body?
5: Uh, We're not getting into that right now. I hope you understand it's still part of the investigation. and I do. We're trying to, like I said, gather everything from A to Z and then then actually make our returns and then uh, get with our prosecutors and and move forward uh, with the case.
3: To Dr. Charles Heller joining me, uh, clinical forensic psychologist, chief forensic consultant in Rockland County, New York. The Forensic Mental Health Unit works there at uh, also Rutgers Biomedical and Health Services. Dr. Heller, I, I can't even imagine what this child will live through the rest of her life.
1: Yeah, this is a terrible, complex trauma. And she's going to need a lot of emotional support and understanding And there are various treatments that can be used over time. But really, we don't really know what her condition is, emotionally or mentally. Obviously, we can surmise that she's been through one of the worst traumas any human being could ever go through. It's a horrible story.
3: I'm just wondering what she knew, if she knew what was happening to her mother and
5: brother. During this investigation, overnight investigation, uh, processing the residence, uh, uh, we have found uh, located two decomposed bodies that were found and currently at the Department of Forensic Sciences uh, pending the, uh, the identification. One of the victims has been identified as the suspect's girlfriend,
7: Sandra Vasquez Ceja. Court documents allege Pascal Reyes smothered her to death with a pillow. The other victim was her child, identified only by his initials. Pascal Reyes is charged with capital murder of a child under 14 years old. The criminal complaint goes on to accuse Pascal Reyes of abusing a corpse in an attempt to hide the evidence.
3: Abusing
7: a corpse? Well, that's
3: certainly putting perfume on the pig. You are hearing, in addition to the Tallapoosa County Sheriff, Sheriff Abbott, our friends at NBC, but now take a listen to our friend Sarah Killingen at WVTM.
6: Court records are identifying the victims found in the Dadeville home as a woman and child. The adult victim, Sandra CJ, was smothered to death. The other victim, a young boy, beaten to death. The two were dismembered to hide evidence. Jose Pascal Reyes, that man you see right there, charged with capital murder, abuse of a corpse, and kidnapping. Police say that he kidnapped a 12-year-old who he drugged, tied to a bedpost, before she escaped by chewing her way out of the restraints.
3: To Sheriff Jimmy Abbott, have you ever had a dismemberment case before this one? Uh, no. I'm sorry this was your first, and I pray it was your, it's going to be your last. Because that, and I know you got to be careful because you're going to be a witness. So whatever you don't want to answer, just... I know you'll tell me. You're very forthright. Sheriff, when your people first went into the home, was it apparent that a dismemberment had occurred?
5: I can't, I can't get into that at this time. I'm
3: just- and for, no, 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 no. You're absolutely right. You're right, and that's why I've got Joe Scott Morgan. Not that he went into the home, but he's seen probably more dismemberments between you and I together. Uh, Joe Scott Morgan, death investigator and professor of forensics. Joe Scott, you and I just, okay, just gave me chills just remembering this. You and I have just finished, and I'm sure it's ongoing, we're not through yet, Joe Scott, investigating the case of cult mom Lori Vallow, where her two of her children were murdered by her new husband, and the little girl was dismembered, Tylee was dismembered. There have been, uh, you and I have investigated a lot of dismemberment cases.
7: Yes, you're you're right.
3: Three days, three days to process the scene. And now I know
1: why.
7: Yeah. Uh, and the if there's an upside, the idea that it did take three days gives you an idea as to the care that has been taken in processing the scene. You know, we back up and we think about this warrant. Uh, that was issued prior to making entry into the scene. You've got a contained scene because it's within, you know, this this dwelling, which is helpful in this sense. Uh, you don't have people. You can control who's coming in and out of it and because there is a lot of fragile, delicate evidence in a scene like this that investigators would have to take their time with. You know, if, if we just look at, You know, the word decomposing has been used several times. And when you're dealing with a decomposing case and you don't have an immediate witness that can give you information, time is of essence there. And so you begin to think about how long the bodies had been down. And, you know, we can talk about things like entomology and study of insects and the rate of decomposition and and heat.
3: I don't know they're going to get the same kind of insects inside a home that you would get if they're... The bodies have been left out. Hey, hold on, Joe Scott, just a second. Hold your thought because I want to hear every single thing you're saying. I just got to ask Sheriff Jimmy Abbott. Sheriff, I'm looking at the little girl. Her face is blurred. And she's got on um, a little shirt with the little, it looks like a little blue horse with wings. And it's rainbow colored. And she's all dressed up to match her outfit with her skirt. I'm looking at a picture of her brother, and her mother is just beautiful. Sheriff, how do you do it? How do you get up in the morning and put one foot in front of the other? I'm looking at these three. Oh, my! she's got on a little headband with little ears and a unicorn, a gold unicorn um, horn coming out the top of her little headband, like something I would dress my my sister, i mean, excuse me, like I would dress my little girl in when she was younger and to think the brother and the mother dead and dismembered and the little girl has been through hell, the bottom of hell and then out tied to that bedpost while her mother and brother are murdered and dismembered. How do you keep going, Sheriff? I'm curious.
5: Well, this is my second profession. At first, I've worked with the state, and I worked in the Alabama Bureau of Investigation for approximately 20 years, and then I ran and got elected, and it's, it's, I feel like it's a duty once you take this job. It's a duty to do the best that you can in investigating cases to end results, is prosecuting the person so... It's a passion that I've had for years. And, you know, our team of investigators, not just me, we had people from local agencies, from the state, and also from the federal uh, levels that was assisting us on this and are still assisting on us as we wade through the uh, evidence that we've collected. And so it's just one of those things that uh, you have to do it. It's a role in law enforcement. You know, once you sign up, it's one of those things that. I've got a great passion for it uh, is working in criminal investigation as long as I've worked to to make sure that we do the right thing and train our people to do the right thing when they're there.
3: You know, there was many a time, Sheriff, I would leave the courthouse or crime scene and I'd have to just pull off the side of the road and just sit there to get my mind straight to keep going. But as a crime victim myself, uh, I feel like it's um, a duty to, to keep going forward. And I was just curious about how you do that. Now I'm looking at a, a picture I found on Facebook and it said the mom in a beautiful purple evening dress and the son has on a little blue suit and a white collar uh, shirt. And the daughter is all dressed up in like a little red party dress and little heels. They're obviously going to some event, some function. And to think that all that is over The whole family, what's left of them, will never be the same again, Sheriff. The
2: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
6: If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
0: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bots on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
4: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
3: Tell me how the little girl is
1: doing.
5: Uh, she's doing uh, well as expected uh, physically, you know, injuries and all her minor injuries. Uh, we placed her in uh, custody of the state of Alabama. She has a, an attorney in Alabama. That's uh, that's the procedures that we go through. And the Alabama Department of Human Resources uh, is taking care of of her. Uh, we've had tremendous uh, support from the community, people reaching out to assist the DHR as as well as her.
3: You know, what is uh, another amazing thing about this is um, the fact that the little girl lived, Sheriff. Take a listen to Our Cut 17. This is our longtime friend, Gail King at 48 hours. Jamie Claus went missing in the early hours of October 15, 2018, when a man the family did not know pulled into their driveway. Jamie's father, Jim, was murdered, shot at point-blank range at the front door. Her mother, Denise, barricaded herself with Jamie in the bathroom and Called 911.
5: The 911 call is very inaudible. You can't can't hear words, you hear yelling or maybe a scream, and it ends by getting hung up.
3: The killer drove away with 13 year old Jamie in the trunk of his car. Jamie Kloss endured hell and had her family murdered as well by a predator. Sheriff Abbott, I. I don't understand the thinking of these perps to willing to wipe out a whole family to get to the girl. I mean, I don't know if that was the motivation in this case, but do you believe you have a motivation regarding the 12 year old girl that you guys saved?
5: Uh, we're not commenting on, on any, any, uh, MO at this time. We're still letting the investigation continue. And, uh, with, uh, hopefully the results of what you're asking me as far as mo uh, will come out at a later date
3: to Gina Tron joining me from oxygencom Gina what more can you tell us well the the family was living with
8: the suspect for months before this happened so um, it, it's uh, it's it makes one wonder if he had been planning this for a while they, they moved in with him um, in February and and um, the attack actually happened on July 24th, or allegedly that's when the, the mother and son were killed and when the girl's um, captivity began.
3: Joe Scott Morgan joining me, Professor Forensics. Will we be able to date the murders and then backtrack and compare it to when the girl was first taken hostage?
7: I, I think that uh, depending upon the physical evidence that has been gathered in a case like this, uh, you know, one of the things that you're going to look for uh, is how long uh, the remains have been down and, you know, depending upon the information that may be developed by the investigators, is that going to marry up with this timeline and keep in mind, you've got a, you've got this poor little girl that's in and out of, uh, you know, her, what her current reality was. She, she's not going to be necessarily oriented to time and space. So she's going to be hard. I think, uh, to get information from uh, about specific times, um, you know, I, the, one of the troubling things for me is, you know, perhaps the head trauma uh, that she may have sustained, uh, coupling that with uh, this ongoing, you know, uh, uh, dosing of alcohol and anything else that she may may have had in her system. And I'm sure that they're they probably did talks on her more than likely when they did the initial assessment. At the on yes, ma'am.
3: Joe Scott Morgan joining me, Joe Scott. There, I I just don't think there's any way this little girl did not know her mother and brother had been killed and dismembered. It's a very small
7: home. Yeah, it is. Very contained. And this is the thing about it. As, you know, as this process of decomposition is going on and she is in this environment. You're going to have all kinds of horrors that are going to be falling her just from a sensory standpoint. The things that she smells, maybe things that she hears in that environment, and she would have had some kind of awareness. I, I don't know specifically, you know, what kind of detail she could come up with, but just, you know, when you begin to think about the fact that what has been alleged is that she had chewed through her restraints in this environment to get free. That means that shows a will on her part. And then she's got to extricate herself. This is not like the police actually came in and removed her in some Hollywood movie. She did this all on her own. And so she would have had to have made her way through that environment. And I can't even begin to plumb the depths of how horrible that would have been.
3: I mean, Joe Scott Morgan, how do we even know the mom was suffocated if the bodies had been dismembered possibly the head was still intact in other words they found the head so they could make out uh, the petechiae being burst or I, i'm not sure how would they do that with a dismembered body
7: that's the only thing i can think of is that they would have had some kind of evidence perhaps in the form of particular hemorrhages because they keep using this term decomposing bodies and so how are you going to assess that And i think that that's 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 what the forensic sciences are faced with in this particular case.
3: Or to Dr. Charles Heller joining us, forensic psychologist, maybe the little girl told them mommy was, was asphyxiated, smothered, strangled.
1: Sometimes, Nancy, in cases like this, when it's such a horrible, horrific event, a trauma beyond words, a person goes into a dissociative state, It's almost like they numb out, so they don't feel the pain, and it's like a blackout. So there could be times when this little girl did that. Also, in terms of remembering it, she can have dissociative moments where she doesn't remember. So it's a complex trauma, and she's gonna be, uh, she's injured, she's emotionally injured, and she's going to need Great therapy and treatment.
3: Nicole deboard Hotch Globe joining us out of Texas, high-profile defense attorney. Way in, Nicole. We were
4: very, very fortunate that this heroic child was able to get out of that home and get help. And one of the next miracles that happened is that the person who discovered her did not did not take her somewhere, did not remove her further from the scene and did not question her. These things are so important because they will make her testimony and what she has to say ultimately to the
3: police that much cleaner. So I'm I'm just very glad for her. I mean, can we all get real just for one moment? He murdered the mother, according to the little girl and the brother kept her alive, tied to a bed for a week H- hitting her in the head and feeding her alcohol to keep her sedated. What other motive is there other than a sex motive? I mean, am I missing something? Uh, Joe Scott, help me out.
7: Yeah. I mean, the fact that that she is restrained uh, it, it is a huge tell in this. You know, why? what would be your purpose? Uh, I'm using your in a universal sense, but specifically to the perpetrator. Why? why would you need to keep a 12 year old restrained and you know that that's the biggest thing here for me and then you're going to leave her in this environment and go to work go to work just think about the audacity of that you're going to go to work working on a construction site remember that's where they caught this guy after he had left this poor child tied up to this bed and her her family there dismembered and decomposing uh, it, it just beats all the, uh, the metal underpinning of the mobile home was
8: damaged. And investigators believe that um, that may have been part of the effort to hide the body. So if you like, look at uh, footage from the scene, it looks as though
3: the bodies may have been found underneath the, the trailer. Which will be brought out at trial because actions before, during and following a crime are admissible to show course of conduct, frame of mind, scheme Motive. For right now, this little girl is alive. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace Crime Story signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new DEXCOM G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone
7: we have summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
3: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
2: (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road.